0: At the center of the universe, at the border between the light and the dark, stands Castle Grayskull. For countless ages, the heroes of Grayskull have defended the universe against the forces of evil. Walk through the Hall of Living Pictures and learn the history and mystery of the masters of the universe. Dive deep into the mythology of Eternia, Etheria, and more. For those who know the stories of Grayskull will come the power. The power to be supreme. The power to be all knowing. The power to be. Legends of Skull. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us here on Legends of Grayskull. It is time now for episode two and a half. Uh, as many Hi. of you know, we discuss a show for the whole episode and we discuss a book for the half episode. Uh, let me. Introduce- <laughs> Let me introduce ourselves, uh, I am Matthew Duch, here with Sean Skavarna. I'm going out of order today, this is a podcast where we discuss He-Man, She-Ra, <laughs> Masters of the Universe, Princess of Power, New Adventures, uh, Netflix shows, comic books, golden books, kid stuff books, record books, DC Comics, NBC Comics, who am I missing, Marvel Star Comics, and so much more, Sean how are you doing today?
1: I'm lifting a heavy book and <laughs> he it's, I, I told uh, Matthew before we started taping, I will be the most powerful man in the universe after this episode, because this omnibus that I will show off really quickly, there we go, is, this is enough to kill at least a couple kittens, no, I do not recommend killing or hurting animals, but you get the idea, it is a heavy book and I will be holding it. To discuss our um, our 2.5 episode to tempt the gods, uh, which is one of the first DC comic book uh, masters of the universe a- adaptations.
0: I want to say they they had that one shot that was uh, fate is the killer, and that was like inserted as like a bonus um, into other comic books. Uh, the month it came out. Yeah. Um, and then I want to say the Superman crossover came next. And DC Comics Presents 47. Um, and then this three-issue miniseries. Correct me if I'm wrong.
1: I See, now you know more than I do. I remember the Superman He-Man one when I was a kid. And unfortunately, I never had a copy of that. And then this I remember more because it was a three-parter. Mm-hmm. and i never got the first issue so th- this is actually the first time i've actually sat down really and checked out this first issue and here's the thing like uh before
0: we even start well, hang, going... on, one, hang on one second before we even start that uh-huh. so you're saying you didn't have any of this three-parter or you saw some of the three-parter but not this first issue
1: I remember having the two and three issues, okay. and I really wanted the first issue, but this was before comic book stores were even a thing. So when you missed it, you missed Absolutely. it pretty much. When I was a kid, just like TV shows, if you weren't there to watch it when they aired, you missed it. Absolutely. Um. So that was a huge part of me wanting to get the omnibus when it was... Uh, when It was solicited because you know, here's all this stuff that goes back to my childhood as well as the new stuff that DC's putting out, so why not? Um, and the thing about this, looking at the uh, at the art, mm-hmm. which uh, to tempt the gods, it was written by Paul Kupperberg, uh, penciler was George Tusca, inker Alfredo Alcala. and of course, for anyone mini-comics-wise, who started the line before Filmation hit, that's probably going to be one of your happiest places, is anytime Alfredo Alcala decided to do the art for a He-Man story, that always sent it over the top. It didn't matter. Like, th- the weakest one that I remember, uh, mini-comic-wise, for him was The Obelisk, and that wasn't his art. It was the story was a little... It just kind of... Filtered out at the end, mm-hmm. and and it for me it wasn't one that really like wow I remember that but his art still worth the price of admission. So him being involved in this makes me very happy. Um, and actually, as a comic book fan, the letterer in this issue is Adam Kubert, who his father is Joe Kubert that has the Kubert uh, School uh, in New Jersey. And they are like a really big uh, like starting point for anybody wanting to break into the comic book industry. So it's kind of cool that, you know, like somebody connected to a legend other than Alcala also had his hand in this uh, issue. But this, this is to me, pure, this, this is just pure masters of the very beginning of the eighties and the beginning of the line, the story. Um, I'm really glad I got to check it out finally. And, it's like man, looking at like like the image the first image we open up on here. See, Let's see here.
0: Now yours mm-hmm. yours is uh they've recolored that, or it's just because they, of a different paper. I'm sure they probably recolored. Because I held it. mine up earlier and you can see it's it's yeah. it's much less vibrant. It's much more mm-hmm. um I guess you could say newspaper. I mean I know they used a different yeah. paper back in the day than they use nowadays, a much less Yours, yours is very glossy. It's got that glossy yes. paper that comics use now. These are very yeah. much like newspaper. Um, and mm-hmm. I know there's probably some fans out there like, oh my God, he's touching the comic. Um, yeah, how dare you? Yes, I am. <laughs> I, I, I get comics not to collect and archive them. I get comics so that I can read them. And to me, part of the fun is being able to go back and, um, and hold the floppies. Um, yeah. It, it's, it's fun for me. It gives me a feeling. Honestly, I'm trying to track down, not the side tangent too much, but uh, some of the DC, the newest run, uh, the Eternity War and all that, I bought some of that digitally because our comic book shop is not very accessible. I have to drive almost an hour round trip back and forth. Mm-hmm. So if I'm not in the area, I don't get that. Like, you know, Quick plug, uh, Masters of the Multiverse number three comes out today. Um, I'm not going that way today, so I will not get it. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Same thing you said. So, so once it's gone, though, it's gone. So I had to purchase some of them digitally because I just didn't make it to the comic shop in time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And right now, I'm going back through and I'm collecting the floppies because there's 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 a big difference to me between reading them in the floppies versus reading them digitally versus even re- even reading them in the trade paperbacks or like the omnibus. I mean, it's still cool. Don't get me wrong. But to me, my, like if you're going to, if, if I have my choice, give me the individual floppy Uh uh-huh. as, as Sean's thinking the same thing right now as he, as he's done holding that already. <laughs>
1: I just, I need a moment because man, my, my left,
0: <laughs> I'm going to be like Fisto. My left arm is going to have this
1: huge bicep by the time we're done with this. And My right one's going to be wimpy, wimpy, wimpy. Yeah, um,
0: that, that is a huge book. And it's interesting that, that, as I notice you're holding That's it thick. that <laughs> the the early DC stuff is in the back. So what kind give a give a little quickie review of that omnibus. How's it how's it structured?
1: Uh basically the structure is you get I really need hang on here. <laughs> I need something to st- at least sit my yeah, yeah foot up on so that I have something to sturdy myself. Yeah. Alright. Uh so the beginning of it is a lot – it starts out with the – it starts out with some of the online books. Like one of the first images you're going to see is yeah. Sir Laser Lot.
0: So it starts with the the He-Man, the Eternity War arc because those, those digital well, copies were before the – they were set before the first issue of the ongoing.
1: Yeah, and then, and then you get into the um, – the storyline where it was uh, one issue was done by James Robinson, and it has yep. the the you know this this cover the yeah the, the first and issue the Masters. yeah they and then
0: the miniseries and then the ongoing mm-hmm. yeah
1: and then pretty much from there it goes into some of the online comics that they were doing like. Uh, the leech one, which to be completely honest I never even got to read those so that's yeah but like uh, the leech issue mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. stuff and then it goes into the ongoing book after that point mm-hmm. which is the dispara uh, yeah. storyline that started issue, up uh, mm-hmm. yeah and that the uh, Keith Keith Giffen Geff, was yep. working on it but then you'll get to that issue the issue number one you'll go on from there um and it also it has the eternity war yep. it has the uh let me see back through here really Probably quick the
0: thundercats next
1: it, i would assume. yeah i'm getting through the eternity war stuff and then you do get into the thundercats crossover which i i still love the artwork in that one just it being something something so drastically different but like uh i got to meet the artist freddie williams and it's like mm-hmm. i i feel like he bought every classics figure before he did this art <laughs> because they all look like the classics versions of yeah. all the figures i mean the, the king randor is a legit this is the classics randor and all that um so yeah i mean honestly there are people that are out there probably, you know, like, should I get it? Should I not get it? Mm-hmm. I'm going to say get it because, you know, I'm, I'll am I'll admit it. You know, like, I haven't read every single thing right. that uh, Masters has ever done. But to have it all in one place, at least the DC stuff, is cool. You got those online editions that now here they are in print. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Um, and also you get the old school flavor, like, to tempt the gods, like we're going to talk about.
0: I just find it interesting. That for me, I, I don't know. My mind, like if I'm arranging a shelf, I'd put it like the '80s stuff and then the modern stuff. But I guess I get why DC wanted to. Oh, they wanted, wanted to,
1: to just pull out their
0: modern they wanted, stuff first. Hey, here's
1: what we're doing, you know. Yeah. And it, they, and the cover is even the 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 uh, first issue cover. So you know, it's like yeah. they're starting it right off there. But another really cool thing before we get into it that I I'm a fan of is you get to see the concept artwork oh, yeah. in the back.
0: Yeah, I remember that. So, like, that. Philip
1: Tan art.
0: Which I think a lot of that concept art, I, I wish they'd use some of those designs in the actual... I think they deviated once it made it to print a little bit, but we'll talk yeah. more about that once we get to,
1: So, yeah, to I mean, the, I,
0: I'll one. show off more here and there, but uh, this yeah. thing
1: is ridiculous to try to lug around. So, we'll just so, get into... What
0: but it sounds like it's about. got a lot of extra
1: content in it, which... Is yeah, it, it does. I know Freddie Williams' is um, uh, concept art for all the individual characters for the Thundercats crossovers in the back. It's got, like, single character shots. It's got... There's there's a few other group shots of individual, like, the Eternian warriors, and then right. you have, like, the main characters. You have the evil warriors and stuff. It's That's pretty cool. Right. So but uh yeah to tempt the gods we're gonna start here the
0: gods so when you got the omnibus is the first time you read this
1: yes and and that's the thing like we've talked about it uh privately you know like there's people out there that the minute they get on the internet the first thing they looked up was he-man right when i got on the internet the first thing i looked up was not he-man because i was at the age where i was 16 17 and stuff like that so like the He-Man stuff for me, I'm, I'm getting back into it now in my 20s, 30s, and 40s. And, you know, for me at this point, some of this stuff that was I thought was lost to time for me, it's like, here I am coming back to – exactly. Yeah, issue, issue three and issue two and everything. I mean, you know, it's like this is all the stuff. I had both of those as a kid, but I always had this like – but I don't have issue one.
0: Right? <laughs> so But here, you know, not to take it too far, these stories were written in a way, while it is a three issue arc, there is a beginning, middle, and end to this, there is a beginning, middle and end to issue two, there is a beginning, middle and end to issue three, mm-hmm. and they all flow together. Which mm-hmm. I think is something that is lost in comics nowadays, and I wish, especially for a series like Masters, that they would get back to I miss the self-contained stories where you can read an issue and feel like that was a nice adventure. Yeah. Whereas these mini series they keep doing, I feel like, well, I've got to wait till the end of the six issue or 12 issue run before I can really go. That was a good story because it's, 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 it's an act of a story rather than three stories that go together.
1: And it's, we were just talking about the filmation stuff. It's a symptom of the difference between episodicness versus binging nowadays right. and you know like that's kind of why reading this it had this this charm that i feel is is completely lacking in today's comics like you said beginning middle and end and on top of that it feels like a robust enough story in yeah. one issue that by the time you get to the second issue you got a lot of stuff thrown at you mm-hmm. and it didn't feel like they wasted your time in any part and even exactly. it, like um, there's one page in this where Zodak shows up mm-hmm. and even that page has little tiny bits that make you appreciate the characters a little more based on how he views them right so you know it's like every bit of this comic adds up to the sum of its parts and makes it a really fulfilling book to check out so Absolutely.
0: Um, so let's dive right in let's let's we open let's up here. do it.
1: And we get this amazing splash page of the the heroic warriors all basically leaping into battle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we get our battleground Tila for the Classics fans.
0: Yeah, which well, this, this is where it came from. Yes,
1: yeah. And I, I'll be honest, like, I thought that the horsemen did a great job on the figure itself, and I love that they referenced this because that's one of those, right. like, Blink and you miss it moments in, in uh, Teela's history, but there is still something about the look of her in here from her face that I feel the classics figure still can't quite get to. Because, like looking at her in here, it's just like I'm just sitting there going like, "Oh, Teela." <laughs> the the barbarian look for me it works it works quite well in making her look like a you know like you have your He Man and then you have her. And the way that they present her in here, she more than holds her, uh, her own fighting alongside He-Man and also being the voice of reason in battle. Yep. I really like that quite a lot.
0: No, it's a good personality. It's a good different personality. Um, I do wish that uh, for the figure when they released it, either they had just said, we talked about before, I wish they would have just said, like, this is the early DC Comics Tila, rather than mm-hmm. having or or even just making her a new character using the design making it a new character if you want to weave her in. Um, but that's just personal preference. I prefer the red-headed Tila, uh, the more yeah. traditional outfit. But it is a neat design. And mm-hmm. the funny thing is, just side tangent, we won't get into it because we'll cover someday, but by issue two, uh, she did manage to change clothes, oh. and she was back to her regular outfit in the rest of the series. So hmm. um,
1: Interesting.
0: I'm assuming this went off to print, and then Mattel was like, uh, you know... Because there was that whole confusion, we we got to address that real quick about Tila and the goddess and who that figure actually was. Mm-hmm. Because there, you know, the early imaginings of the line that snake armor figure, which you will see in here, is the goddess, and that's how she was conceptualized.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then they came up with Tila, who was supposed in the first concept drawings she was similar because they were going to use that same body type just like they used the he-man body type for all the male characters basically a couple you know different arms and everything and so there was confusion early on about who's tila who's the goddess tila was you know once once the sorceress was introduced all that pretty much cleared up and it became tila whether it was snake armor or not yeah but basically in the early line Tila was the figure without the snake armor and probably originally intentionally going to be blonde because almost all these early comics picture her as a blonde. Um, and then the goddess was with the snake armor. So,
1: Yeah, my, my guess is they probably, um, me, me not knowing completely, but they probably just went based on the original four mini comics because in there she has the blonde hair mm-hmm. And I think that's their way of differentiating her from the sorceress, even though we didn't get the, or the goddess, I should say. Sorry. We didn't get two figures to represent that. So I think that was their shorthand visually to represent them. Um, And I think probably for this first
0: issue, they probably just didn't. DC wasn't sure who Tila was. Mm -hmm. um, Didn't realize that it was basically the same figure. And so they probably came up with their own design. And then Mattel probably stepped in for... Two and three, and said, "Hey, uh, get her back on model, will you? Because we need to sell some mm-hmm.
1: But for me, as a thirty and forty year old man looking back at this, it's like, oh, I, I, I would've been okay with that. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's like you know. But back in the old days, Julie Newmar's as Catwoman did not disappoint me, even right. when I was a kid watching the old Batman show. I'd be like. I don't know why I like this, but I just do. And this is kind of the teal in here for me. (laughs) Like looking at her at that age, I'm sure my mom would have been like, Oh, why did they have to dress her like that? And I'd be like, because it's awesome. Yep. So, (laughs) um, but yeah, we open up and we get a very Prince Mm Valiant-esque version of Eternia. Um, it kind of like gone is the, the, the palace is much more of a typical palace. Mm-hmm. You yep. like, if you said to somebody, think of a castle, this is the default castle you'd right. expect. You have, yeah, it's, it's way more medieval Renaissance fair looking than it is like the, the Ternos palace and more fantastical like filmation and everything. And even, I think the hardest thing to swallow for anybody who might not have been reading this is you have a lot of the uh, the the typical king's English, and mm-hmm. I am doing that in quotes because I wouldn't say it's identical, but the typical oh sire and this and that, and you know error instead of ever and stuff you know there mm-hmm. there's that sort of a vibe going on here where there's still even in the mini comics they were figuring out what do these guys sound like, are they going to be? the old English sounding kind of characters. that most people were used to hearing in movies and in mm-hmm. comics, or were they just going to talk like us right. you know? and here they just went full out. No, it's going to be old English kind of sounding. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get a lot of man at arms and King Randor, uh, they're, they're, the, the scene starts out at the castle and they're celebrating the queen's 25th anniversary of being in Eternia. Right. So um but then we also have off to the side we have tons of King Randor and Man at Arms complaining about uh Prince Adam. Right. And that amuses the heck out of me because they keep on saying rabble
0: rouser and things mm-hmm. like that about him through many,
1: many, many word balloons in
0: this. And I so. do like it. They set up the character of Prince Adam. it's it's the much more womanizer playboy ladies man mm-hmm. Adam. Um Couple interesting things to me. I mean, it's it's beautiful artwork through all. Once again, who, the the people who worked on this, you named them earlier. Um, they they didn't phone it in. They gave it their all. They treated yeah. everything seriously. Um, and it shows. Yeah, um, there's some nice some nice looking women there. Um,
1: yes. <laughs>
0: the thing that I find interesting, um, real quick, and I, I feel like I keep tangenting off. But you got to look at the time frame. This was December of '82. This comic was, mm-hmm. um, so you're you're after the Alcala mini comics. I believe the Texeras were probably in production at this time too. Which probably, is what this yeah. reminds me of the most. It's not those first four mini comics. It's it feels much more the Texera mini comics, the Mystery Manny faces, uh, the Magic Stealer. Um, yeah, there is
1: a bit to that. Yeah,
0: it's definitely still in the origin story, so we're setting up all the characters. Um, a lot, a Filmation is working on their series now. Check out episode mm-hmm. two for our review of Curse of the Spellstone. <laughs> um, and I still, I got the book right here again. So, like for for, well, this is the Time Corridor. I'm flipped to now, but the first the uh, the script was approved for Time corridor in January of '83. I wanted to say uh, Curse of the Spellstone was like December of 82. So, mm-hmm. Filmation's already got their Bible at this point. They're working on their stuff. They're crafting their world. DC's doing their stuff. And there's a lot of overlap. You see a lot of stuff introduced here that would then show up in the Filmation show. So, I have to assume that they were both, they probably weren't working directly together. Mm-hmm. But between the three of them, with Mattel being the center point a lot of the concepts were being bounced back and forth. So you've got the secret identity, you've got a transformation, Mm -hmm. um, and all that. Why I bring this up is I find it interesting here because with Man-at-Arms and King Randor's dialogue, while I like it, one of the key differences, you can obviously tell, Man-at-Arms has no idea that Prince Adam is He-Man. He is ragging on him just as much as King Randor is. There is none of that, well, you know, Sire, give him a chance, you know, Don't judge him. Don't be too harsh on him. No, man at arms is like, I've trained this kid my whole life and he's a loser.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Which
0: which is an interesting dynamic. I I don't mind it. Even if I do prefer man at arms, knowing the secret. Um, Yeah. I I like this. It's some nice dialogue between all of them.
1: Well, it sets the stage nicely. uh, Like you were saying, especially with the, the thing that I actually like a lot about the story is when when we get to what the plot of of uh, the villain is because they're setting up Adam to be this selfish, mm-hmm. like lazy person, and then when you find out what He Man's up against in this, it really does turn that completely on its head. And I like that there is even a, a moment where Adam's like, "Yeah, this is all a play. That's all there is to it." Like he admits it even in here. This is all a play. It, it's it's. You know, it is what it is, basically, and he's not thrilled that he has to be this guy, but he's being it yep. at this point. Um, but yeah, I do like he's. It, it, they're having the the big talk about you know Adam being this and Adam being that, and then there's this woman that shows up. And, yeah. Oh, hello! He actually says, er, "Not now, woman," which is great. So, um, but yeah, I I. Love Hang on one minute, Sean. Like that element of it, and I—I I don't know. Like, sure, yeah. Uh, it, basically, Prince Adam. He's here. You know, he's—he's he's the womanizer version of him, and it, or not now woman. And you know, she's this girl's there trying to get his attention. And I—I mm-hmm. I don't know. When I was a kid, even though it was probably more adult than I needed to read my mom would let me get Conan comics mm-hmm. from Marvel and stuff like that. So this kind of stuff was second nature to me, even at a young age. It's just like, all right, the guy is going to be cavorting yeah. or whatever, you know? And, and, and so them having this as part of Adam, it didn't bother me. And that's, that's actually, uh, why when I first saw the filmation stuff, yeah. seeing this and then seeing filmation, it is kind of like, what the hell? Like it, there, there is a certain amount of like, well, you know, I I liked Adam as kind of being um, irresponsible by doing more this than, oh, he's fishing or he's this or that. But, you know, like I started with this. That's the difference, whereas other people that had filmation, it's like, oh, well, Adam would just be out there fishing with Cringer or whatever. It's like, all right,
0: you know. Yeah, and as a kid, I mean, I didn't read this as a kid. I was older. But, yeah, as a kid, I probably wouldn't have thought anything Really of it. I mean, you can read as much or as little into it as you want.
1: Yeah, um, that's true.
0: It's it's done nicely in a way where if you want to read in that they were back there uh, having adult activities, it works. If you want to say, like, he was just out, you know, drinking with her, it works. I mean, it's yeah. it's it, it's done in a way where it, anyone can read it and whatever. Mm-hmm. I do like this. I mean, and here we have Marlena coming from Earth. I, lo- I love this shot here. Uh, yeah, or very medieval and her ship actually like yeah. blowing up in the atmosphere like the, like like she literally crash landed like that. She yeah, probably jettisoned out at the last minute and he found her. And and so you see the beginnings of, of the Earth. You know, they, they always uh, I don't know, I guess it just makes it accessible for kids on Alien World to have some tie into Earth, you know.
1: And that was that was one of those things I always thought was a pure filmation part of the mythology. Yeah. So to Lots to look at do. that and just be like, oh, okay. So that started way before filmation got their hands on it. There's an element of like, okay, you know, I can't really fight that idea because it was, this is earlier than that. So to me, it's like even further into the mythology than just filmation even. So it's like, all right, I can't really fight the idea of her being from earth now. Right. Um. Uh-huh, so but I yeah, got- that, yeah, well, hey, you know, like I said, I didn't get to read these until now, so I'm like right. I, I always went under the assumption that was just the filmation part of the story. So, so yeah, but that that image of the the ship and her and, and Randor there, it's it's gorgeous. Oh, I, have- I mean, it's it's actually one of my favorite um uh, one of my favorite panels in the whole first issue. Right. Um. But then, yeah, we have uh. Adam bemoaning, you know, oh, he has to do this as a as an act, mm. and my book is falling apart as a cover. Yeah, and
0: yeah, and it's nice and then, right off the bat here they treat it. I know I brought it up in private before. I think I brought it up on one of our previous episodes. You know, right here they say right off the bat, you know, it started off as adolescent rebellion. Now I must remain this personality. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, he really was. And we talked. I know we talked about it when we did the beginning from Mike Young Productions. It's like. Yes, that's how he was at one point because he is a spoiled prince at one point. But he assumes the power and he grows. But he has yeah. to keep this to protect everybody. And and I love and here we introduce Cringer for the first time. You know, yeah.
1: And,
0: and he's just he's, like Filmation, Honestly, he's he's, he he's a is. coward. He's hiding. He's lazy. He was napping, and uh, Adam gets into his room, and there's all these cool monstrosities from hell. I mean, it's, it, I love these guys. These are awesome. By the dark gods. What manner
1: of sorcery is this? Mm-hmm. A- and then, yeah, him hiding under the bed. With Cringer. Cringer being under there. And, and uh, like Cringer speaking better English than half the people I've ever met in my life. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> there it
0: is. Sorry. Sorry, all you filmation ruined Cri- battle cat. Uh, DC did it first. Ha
1: <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's, I kid, I kid. I, no, no, no. That the thing is, for for somebody like me, who I think you know, I, I'd be okay with Cringer not talking. I'd be okay with Battle Cat not talking, and it being more either like a Han and Chewy relationship where he can kind of distinguish what he means or whatever. Or, or uh, I've said it before: deeds not words. With how Battle Cat is, right. it, it's like I don't have a leg to stand on. And I'm I'm diffusing my own arguments, and I don't like this, but I still like it because. Alkala, yeah. you know, <laughs> and also, like I said, it's the beginnings of the way that I view it. You know, th- this is, this is the bare bones here of this is how I played when I was a kid, and
0: that's, you know,
1: and that's, that's awesome.
0: Yeah. And it's like, it's like, um, you know, you do, you can see the the process of how Mattel, I mean, they they were very much fluid with the story since they went and you can see where they're moving with this. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, you get, you get the, and I was honestly kind of confused about this as to why, and I don't really say it, so a little sloppy writing here, but why these monsters are attacking Prince Adam, uh, the, between this and the next scene where they run into Cavern of Power, I'm almost assuming that Skeletor knows He-Man is Adam in this.
1: I, Cause why else I'm would he up in the air. to attack him. Yeah, I'm up in the air about that. The only other thing I could think of is there is a character later on who is at the palace, uh, the the wizard. It's a Tarak, I want to say, yeah. that um maybe has something to do with what he's doing because he's in the middle of fighting stuff that's similar to that. But I that I there are things in this that I'm still lost on. Yeah. So I'm probably going to have moments where I just look at you and go. I don't know. Or, okay, like, if you can decipher it better. I took it that it was something along those lines with the sorcerer and not Skeletor, but it makes more sense Mm -hmm. it would be Skeletor because then how would he know everything that happens? Like, he needs to know what Skeletor is going to tell him in order for anything else to happen. Right. So maybe it is Skeletor. And and so that's like a whole, okay, if Skeletor knows – Okay. The other the other way you could look at it is Skeletor just found out because of what he just did.
0: Yeah. I see. I took. I don't know. I don't know. I'll just say the way I took it when reading it as like those were Skeletors to alert Adam that that like he needs to go to the cavern of power because it is. Yeah. And it is. Uh, we'll just get into that right now. Um. They. Uh. They do say. And I looked it up in the the character guide and world compendium for Dark Horse Comics. (laughs) Uh, That's uh, another great book. Uh, A lot of great people did this. Danielle Galerta, Val Staples, uh, James Etoc had something to do with it. So many more, I don't have time to list them all. Um, But uh, I did look up the entry for Cavendish Power, and it does confirm in there that Skeletor does know the location of it. And Uh in this continuity, that is how Adam and Cringer transform. They enter the cave, and they are transformed into He-Man and Battle Cat. So, I took it as Skeletor sent these monsters to attack him so that he would go, I've got to change into He-Man, head to the mm-hmm. cavern where Skeletor is waiting for him. And since Skeletor is waiting for him there, I have to... I don't know. To me, it just reads that he knows the identity, which I don't yeah. like. It and. Honestly, I don't like the Cavern of Power. We'll just get into that real quick here. I don't want a tangent too long, but having that be the way they transform, I feel, limits your story too much.
1: Oh, I agree completely. Because that...
0: then all you have to do to beat Adam, especially if Skeletor knows Adam is He-Man, all I've got to do is stop him from getting to the Cavern of Power. Mm-hmm. Done. You know, it takes yeah. it takes all the... I mean, you get into to some of the stories... You know, courage of Adam and the Mike Young, um uh, I'm trying to think Oh, the episode just escaped me, but uh the one disappearing act um
1: uh-huh.
0: in filmation. Pretty much any episode or story where Adam gets captured, that's it. We yeah, win. Yeah. So I I don't like it as a plot device. Um, it it's too limited that every time there's danger, I've got to run to this cavern and then I've got yeah. to get back to the action. Yeah, um,
1: I I agree completely. And it, it, it,
0: it's it was in the earliest filmation or one of the early filmation bibles. So once again, this is a concept that was at one point shared and then um. And then they abandoned it, I'm sh- and I'm pretty sure I've read in interviews that that's why Filmation abandoned it, because they, they felt it was too hard of a plot device to work with.
1: The way, like, the only way I could accept this is saying the sorceress lives at, or the goddess, because the goddess. we're still dealing with the goddess. I keep, I keep defaulting to sorceress. The goddess lives in the Cavern of Power. And that's her headquarters, so that Gray Skull can just be its own thing. Right. That's the only way I can accept it. But, you know, like we're talking this is axe and shield He-Man. Right. This is not like power sword wielding He-Man. So there is like I like that look of him. Sure. But when I think about it, there is a logistical of then he can't be Adam. Because if right. he doesn't have the the sword. So it's like filmation just that is filmation pure and simple to me, but it works because it's something he has with him all the time. It's something that basically is a lightning rod to conduct the energy. He needs to become he man. And he, he, he just has it with him all the time. It makes, it makes so much more sense to have that just be the means of transformation. This cavern of power thing. That's the only way I'm going to accept it is that is the place where the sorceress took he man after he left the jungle and yeah. said here's your harness here's your weaponry and that could be the cavern of power in yeah. that way it works for that but,
0: continuity absolutely
1: it, yeah but, the, but but having that always be his telephone booth for superman yeah. no
0: <laughs> and the sword no. works in that it's still not you can still take it away you can still have those circumstances yeah. where he can't transform and you can still have that tension there because he can lose it or it can get captured or yeah. whatever um but yeah it." And that's exactly what they're doing here, as you see in the next page. He talks about Grey Skull, and it's still very much that Alcala Grey Skull. Mm-hmm. It's the it's the fortress of mystery and power. He says whoever can get in, breach the walls of the great castle, will hold sway over all of eternity as its king. It's it's very much that first concept Grey Skull. It's not the fortress of good or evil, and but they're taking it and making it work with the Adam He Man with The world that they're transitioning to so Mm
1: -hmm.
0: it works here but i I prefer a simple sword
1: well and and the thing is like i'm i'm thinking of it just from okay once you change one thing the whole domino thing has to fall or else nothing is going to work and it makes sense and it's like you know for me to like this version of he-man but then and i still like the idea that gray skull could be its own entity in some ways. I like the gray skull can be controlled by whoever wins gray skull, whoever gets inside of it. But then you're throwing the sword into the mix and he's calling upon the power of gray skull. Right. You got to have it where it's more good than evil, no matter what in that, in that basis then. So it's like, you know, it's, it's the craziest thing. It's like everything I love is now getting turned on its head for the logistical reasons of right. why it got changed. And there's that part of me that I'm fighting it. And the other part of me is like, but now you know why this hasn't been the mythology ever since 1983. Right. <laughs> so, um, but, uh, uh, basically, yeah, we, we have a uh, Skeletor is waiting for him in the cave of power or the cavern of power, mm-hmm. cave of power. And he, as you said, you know, he's, he's discussing about Grayskull being, you know, whoever controls it is the king and everything. And he basically taunts He Man with the fact that he has the, the goddess. Yep. The goddess is his captive now. Yep.
0: And there is there is and then they flash back and he shows when he entered the cave and the battle they had, which is really neat and and I find it. I guess it's more my looking at it from the modern way, but in modern comics, there would not be this much dialogue and this much writing, especially for this. Um but I do like it the way they did it. And actually, I, probably more modern comics need to do this sort of thing. Because here they have this awesome battle, like a three-page 3, three page battle, four-page, three-ish. Um, no, maybe just two. There's an advertisement in there.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, it's pretty much like two...
0: Yeah, I got I got a lifesavers uh, circle of flavors oh,
1: in well, between there. there you go.
0: So, um, <laughs> but it's this nice little battle, and at the same time, they're still talking about they're still given the history and everything. And it's funny because even you know Skeletor talks about Grayskull, and and He Man replies, "I'm no schoolboy who needs to be told about yeah. playing its ancient legends." Um, yeah, it's just neat because he's he's doing that that monologue for the readers, and He Man, yes, like, dude, shut up. Um, yeah, so that, that's I fun. like
1: that though. That's that's a great way right. to do the exposition, but also have He Man like ready to bur- burst right. into battle because where's the source? Where's the goddess? Right. You know, what have you done with and her? He said, you know, and,
0: and he said he's he's doing the Incredibles thing. He's like, why are you monologuing? Why are you? Yes, why, who are you talking to? Who are, And it's like Skeletor's like
1: no one right
0: oh, wink <laughs> but it, it works and the same thing with all the dialogue because it's not word bubbles it's well i guess it is skeletor talking about battle with the goddess but it's just it's giving you the essence of the world it's filling you on the backstory so we still have the two halves of the power sword uh we have the goddess um skeletor is from another dimension he says he says that there since your arrival on your planet so, yeah, it's, it's a very nice blend, and it helps. You, if you read this series, you help see the bridge, how they got from Alcala to Filmation with mm-hmm. Texera comics, al- many comics along the way. I do. <laughs> okay, I'm going to be the nitpicky one here, Sean. Okay. So, the whole battle with, this, with the goddess is, is they're battling, and he's got the power of the energy blade, and the goddess banishes his half of the power sword to another dimension hmm Uh now flip back to when He-Man and Battle Cat confront Skeletor when they first burst into the cavern of power.
1: Yeah, he's got it. He's holding, he? he's holding he's holding his it. havoc yeah. staff
0: and the power sword, so. There's, yeah. There's my nitpick. Ha! I I'll bet you, you any time. money.
1: Well no, I bet you any money, and I'm I'm not trying to make any kind of like oh, but I'll bet you any money they just said Stelator's standing there triumphantly. Yeah. So he's like, okay, well, he comes with a sword and he comes with the Havoc staff. I'll draw it. And then when he gets to the pages later, he's like, I hope they don't notice this. <laughs>
0: yeah. Or even, I mean, you could say it, Without the word bubbles, you really don't know that this this fight takes place previous. So maybe even the artist, when he was doing it, he's looking at, you know, and I, I, I'm not the best, biggest comic guy so i don't know the process mm-hmm. um but maybe he's just looking at whatever they i assume they still kind of storyboard things out or maybe he's just going from the script and he didn't realize that the battle with the goddess came after, came before that's, even though it's after
1: that's that's kind of what i'm thinking so, i'm not excusing it because now that you brought that up it's like yeah that's a very very valid point so i'm so, not going to argue but it looks but,
0: cool it's 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 a minor nitpick
1: um. I'll, I'll tell you one thing I liked a lot, though, is they have a uh, the two panels, like Skeletor's waving the sword around and trying to threaten the goddess. Mm. And then the goddess, the next panel, just throws the staff at him, her snake yeah. staff, and it turns into a snake to attack him. Mm-hmm. I've always thought that should happen, and it's so cool that it happens in this story. And I, it's, it's just one of those simple things that, like, uh, it reminds me of Conan the Barbarian where Thalsa Doom uh, pulls the snake and makes it into an arrow so he could shoot right. people. And it's got that kind of vibe that I like about you know, it.
0: You know what's funny, Sean? You're going to laugh at me. But I was this year's old when I realized that she changed her staff into the snake. I just oh, really? I just looked at it as she <laughs> conjured a – because we've seen – um we've seen them do that before mm-hmm. you know or summon snakes or whatever you know mm-hmm. um, yeah but yeah no i like that i like that so she that she she changed her staff into there and then she ends up because then in the next panel she doesn't have anything and then you can see
1: that it's one that like she picks it up. it up yeah um yeah i dig that a lot and
0: that's pretty neat. I, it, thanks for pointing
1: it's, that it's out. It's the simple little detail, because the only reason I think it is the, the staff is in the panel before that, she has it in her right hand, and yeah. then when you look at the panel with Skeletor, There's, she's throwing it with her right with hand right still, hand. so I'm like, makes sense, yeah, it's probably, Yeah, in boom. the next,
0: no, it completely tracks, I'm sure, I'm sure you're right there, that's, that's so, really neat.
1: And then, uh, yeah, I, I actually like this, this part here where he says, um, I know I held, but half, half in my grasp. Yeah. But am I not Skeletor? Right. <laughs> it's just the whole idea that you know he didn't have the full power of the power sword, but that half was more than enough for him to be like, well, I still can do this, right. you know. And he's he's still gunning for. Her.
0: Oh, absolutely. And and you can t- it shows how powerful he is even now that he man's there and he doesn't have that power mm-hmm. sword because he's still got enough to take him on yeah and this is definitely not the super powered i'm gonna keep saying it. it's not the superman he-man even close to any means um this is very much a barbarian axe and shield um strong but not not superhero strong
1: yeah exactly Um, so skeletor basically waves the idea i have the sorceress but to get you know in order to save her you're going to get the power swords for me. Right. So he's he's throwing out the you know like the hero has to do his work mm-hmm. as in the evil uh, the evil work he wants to do in order to win, right. and he's giving him a no win situation here. Which that's what I was saying earlier. The whole way that they show Adam as being selfish. And, you know, the, he doesn't have responsibilities, and he's chasing women or whatever it is, rabble-rousing, they yep. keeps saying. I like the idea that now you're throwing the hero into a situation where he's like, I guess I have to, or else someone will die. Right. And I, I really dig that part of this story quite a lot.
0: Yep, he knows he needs the goddess, and he's got no choice. He's up against the wall. Um, and that pretty much leads us into the quest of the mini series is that there's, there's these three talismans that he's got to find, and that will lead the way to uh, both halves of the power sword.
1: Yeah, the talismans represent the sea, the sky, and the cosmos.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: And w- when you get all three of those, they'll lead you. And then we get into our little zodiac page. And the zodiac okay. page... It, it basically, it's it's the typical, if you know Zodak, you know he's looking at the balance. He's worrying about, does Skeletor go too far this time? Does he have to interfere? And so far, he's like, no, I don't have to interfere. But with something he says here, right. I actually like, let me get the light on here better. Um,
0: yeah, and I'll say real quick, on the cover there, we still had the evil bounty hunter Zodak because he is clearly aligned with Skeletor's forces on the cover. Uh, but inside, he still is still that mystery. He guy. is that cosmic enforcer that he's. It's always been a little blurry, and I know he showed up in Fate Is the Killer too, which was that one shot that appeared in the other comics, and there he was also very much this neutral cosmic enforcer. So pretty much they mm-hmm. decided on Zodak's character at this time, but the uh, looks like whoever did, and I think the front page was was that a different artist. I
1: think in the other one it was a different artist. No, it's, it's, I it's still
0: Tusca as the Tusca. pencil his name, but Giordano colored it uh unlike okay. uh Alcala in the inside. So it was the same artist but but yeah, just that little little flub there, but it looks like by this point he had been decided to be the the neutral cosmic enforcer.
1: I like this line uh Zodek says here um uh well, it, I mean, ba- to lead up to, once more, his sought to tamper with the forces that rule in the universe, tipping the scales in his favor through the abduction of the Eternian goddess, risking the wrath of forces even he does not quite comprehend in the name of the conquest of yet another world. So he is, he is a conqueror in that way. And then yet how might he know the goddess's role in the Eternian plane as pivotal or or as pivotal and oh so vital to the continued flow of time and space this part is the part i like a lot skeletor is but the most primal of beings born of lust and hate fueled by greed and motivated by desires he he has never sought to question nor made attempt to conquer Mm -hmm. i i mean if you're looking at the before filmation version of, uh, and even the before the Keldor version, yep. uh, MYP, that is such an awesome way to sum him up in these original versions so well. That it, I mean, just the whole born of lust and hate. That makes me want yep. to know what that origin was like for him compared to the one that we've adopted of the Keldor version now. So, oh,
0: absolutely, it's, it's,
1: it, it puts some mystery there, I guess.
0: Yeah, it's it's very much the uh, uh it's very much the other world, the Conqueror Skeletor, the one we saw in those first four mini comics. Um, it's a good origin for a Skeletor. I- I'm not gonna lie, mm-hmm. I, I've never really thought about my preferred version because I think the different versions fit in different storylines, and depending on what storyline yeah. you're doing, that's the one you should go with. Um, but for this one, it's good, and you and you feel like not only has He Man Skeletor fought for a while, but you feel like Zodak here, like he's watched Skeletor for a long time, mm-hmm. and he's seen him do different things, conquer different worlds. Yeah, and he's and he says he ha- he has to wait. Um, the cosmos will show him his path, so he's not sure what he needs to do. He know he needs to do something, and he's just waiting. To see that 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 purpose that he'll serve, so you can only imagine. And you really start thinking about the backstory of this Zodak. Like he's he could have sat here and watched Skeletor conquer a hundred worlds. Yeah. Over 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 the over thousands of years, whatever. Um, this Skeletor mm-hmm. has always struck me as kind of like a uh, eternal demon. Like he doesn't have yeah. definitely uh, like an average lifespan. Like basically, he'll he'll survive until he's defeated. mm Hmm. Um but yeah could you imagine that like having to be tasked with it, to like just sit and watch this evil being just destroy things and just not be able to do anything?
1: Yeah, I that the thing is when I flipped to that page, I I automatically went it's a zodiac page and I my interest in zodiac is not what people that like zodiacs would be. So, uh, you know, when I saw that page, I'm like, oh, here we go. But then reading that's like, man, do they do a great job of giving you some Meat to the bones of the story, you know, and and just those word balloons, and it paints more to the picture of what what uh, Skeletor is for me, and that's like like when I finish that page, I'm like, that was great, like right. that was great writing to make you just go like, this is what he is, he, this is what we're going up against. So no,
0: for sure, and then and then you get to you know you get back to the palace, yeah, and uh, I like that he man's not like. Sorry, I'm leaning over to read my comic. I'm over back in front of me. I like that He Man's not just like the uh, uh, like just instant access. He can't just roll in. There's very much. Yeah, it's very medieval <laughs> setup. There's cat. There's guards and everything, and even even He Man, which uh, oh no, they do say he's never been to the palace before because he says he's never been in the presence of. Of the king and queen as, as he man in this story. Um, mm-hmm. So the guards aren't like, Hey, come on in, buddy. they they give him a little, <laughs> even though I'm sure they, they obviously know about he man, the king and queen know of he man. Yeah. Uh, he's not just the the superhero that just can come out, stroll on in and everyone's like, yeah. he's
1: not just in the other room and walks on by, right. you know, in this version. So, and, and then we get introduced to Teela for that reason, which is great. Okay. The captain of the guard. Tell- She's still the captain of the guard in this version.
0: Yep, and you can tell that she and He Man have battled before. Like they probably met up out, you know, mm-hmm. there was a you know Skeletor on the planes of Perpetua or something. They obviously know each other. Sure. Did. Um, and then the
1: the the thing I like about her characterization in this is number one, there there's never a moment mm-hmm. where she doesn't look like she could be an equal to him, and that's the whole thing, like in this day and age, there's all these people who are raging about, you know, all the women characters have to be more powerful or better than the boys and all that stuff. And it's like, for me, masters set the stage for that because Tila and Shira were always like these characters that they were always on, on the a level playing ground for the most part with the guys. And I never once ever looked at Tila and go, no, like she should be the damsel in distress. It's like, Teela's going to punch you in the face if you capture her, you know? So I, I like that they, they, like you said, there's a history between the two of them when they meet here. And I like that she's just like, no, let him in. I got this, you know? And it, she's she's confident with herself. She's not starstruck seeing E-Man,
0: you know? No, exactly. And that's exactly how, how it shows up. And she gets him in. Um, <laughs> I love here again, we're building the character of Randor. Um, even here, he's very disappointed in his son. And he even says... <laughs> and I, this is what I like about the comics is is um, the Thought Balloons. I, yeah. I love Thought Balloons. It gives you a little more insight into their character. Um, they can come out and, and just basically spell some stuff out that they normally... You just kind of have to insinuate. Um, and right you know... Uh, He-Man addresses that he's basically Adam in different clothing. Uh, he's thinking about it. He's like, oh, they're going to recognize me. This is why I've never been here before. But he, he had to come here for the quest, uh-huh. um, which they don't because, in, and we go into basically the the Superman Clark Kent, which, again, this is DC Comics writing this. Um, he acts so different and he's so imposing and so confident and his personality is so different that, they don't recognize him, and Randor even thinks, ah, to have one such as He-Man as my heir, rather than (laughs) Adam.
1: Yeah, and the king can only sigh his
0: silent Mm disappointment. And that just sums it up perfectly for me. It's, it's, Filmation didn't say that so much, but it it reminds me of, um, in Filmation, in, uh, uh, dang, these episode titles are, uh, Escaping me today. Uh, Pawns of the game master. When Adam and Tila are sparring, and Tila says, "Oh, I wish I had. I wish I knew someone with the with the courage of He Man, uh, but the personality of Adam." And uh, of course, <laughs> we, we just get to sit here and go, "Oh, if you only knew." Um, yeah But I like those moments. It shows. It shows what he's giving up, really, to be this hero that Eternia needs. He's giving up the chance to make his father proud. And you know, yeah. eventually one day he will reveal his identity. You
1: know, mm-hmm. they'll
0: see that they were wrong about him, but he's willing to delay that satisfaction for the greater good, and that's yeah. that's a key quality of He Man. And that's that's kind of what's missing for me, personality-wise, from the Alcala mini comics. Um, I think this the I, the dual identity adds a lot to his character uh, for me personally.
1: I I can't disagree with you there. I mean.
0: The
1: I mean, for me, the, the the Filmation Transformation was what tipped it over the edge for why it works. And that's such a magnificent moment every episode that you're treated to that for me, I'm like, I can't divorce myself of that at this point, because it's so essential. But it's like i I agree there is a flatness to the barbarian character they had in the mini comics. There is a richness to having The humanity of Adam inside of this hulking warrior who can take care of business, you know, and because otherwise you're hearing them talking about boasting and making fun of each other. And he's he's a lot different as a personality type. So and then we're we're uh, we get to meet Tarak, the sorcerer of Eternia, or at least the
0: palace. And yeah, he, I like that. How they uh, just like, oh yeah, we we got a couple wizards downstairs. Go on, uh, yeah, <laughs> go ahead down there.
1: And it's, it's like they don't have orcos, so they got to have somebody to do something around here with magic. And he he did something completely crazy because he's fighting all these demons in his in his uh, I guess his laboratory. And he Man, and Teela just come in with Battle Cat, and they just start taking care of business, which is fun. Because you're seeing He-Man wielding an axe to go into battle, which doesn't happen very often these days. So, yeah, and, and, see- and Teal has got her gun, and, or her laser and her sword, so.
0: Yeah, I see now what you're saying about, like, those demons were probably sent to to um, to find the wizard. <laughs> I saw that coming from a mile away. <laughs> Is that Duchess? A box
1: fell. No, a box fell, and it was it was because I put my foot up against oh. the chair. Most powerful man of the universe,
0: indeed. There so yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's. I see what you mean now about the. I didn't think about it when I was reading through this earlier, but yeah, I can see the demons were probably summoned to find Derek. But then you also got to think like those demons have been here the whole time and he's been fighting them off, which I mean that's that's cool in and of itself too, but
1: that's the only thing that made sense to me after reading it the whole way through. But again, you know, either way, the Skeletor one makes it creepier because he knows what the deal is. And it's like, I can find you now. And this way it makes sense too. Cause somebody needed help. You know, one, one way or the other, it doesn't matter at this point to me. It's let's get the story rolling. But, uh, yeah, you see them just, it, they're, they're talking about body counts here. <laughs> yeah, and that's something great You don't hear in filmation. Uh, and, And then you even get Man-at-Arms joining in, and I I think it's kind of cool. They did filmation with him where he joins in, and he doesn't have his mace, but he's using his wrist lasers to go to town on some of these demons and uh, creatures.
0: Yeah, they make sure to have Tila with her uh, ray gun and a sword, so that they definitely pushed, and they said earlier, like... This isn't just a medieval world. It's very much a world of technology, too. So they, they did a uh-huh. good job of setting the basics. I love this little red demon that's like gnawing on He-Man's rib cage.
1: Yeah, that's creepy. Off. That's, that's like really, like, ugh. There's something about that that uh, I'm not good with blood to begin with. There's no blood, but the, uh, the insinuation that he's probably digging into the flesh is like, oh, So, um, no, absolutely. but yeah, I, I like that they take care of the business. Like I said, Man at Arms shows up, and he definitely makes his presence known to the battle. And then they get to—we finally get to meet this Tarak guy who has never been in anything uh, other than this, as far as I know. Unless I'm wrong, no, you are correct. Um, I, that's what I was okay. doing a
0: second ago. I looked him up in the character guide and world compendium available now from uh, Dark Horse Comics. <laughs> We'll, we'll get some sponsors of the show somehow, Sean.
1: I, I was just gonna say, one way or the other, <laughs> but uh but but uh Tarak basically uh he's there to kind of help them on their quest, and he says these demons were after the very same um pendant that He-Man's after, which is the cosmic pendant that Skeletor needs to uh out of the three to get the power sword. So that it, then that leads He-Man to now say, so now there's someone else looking for this. It's not just me. And, you know, that's getting him more angry for the fact that, you know, now he doesn't know what else he's up against, but he has to complete his quest.
0: And it is, you know, we we got He-Man very smart. He's, you know, he's going, uh, I know it's not Skeletor because Skeletor would not. Well, he knows Skeletor is going to double cross him at some point. He knows he's also not. Stupid enough to send him on a quest and then try and kill him before he's yeah exactly accomplish it for him, which I did find that interesting here that DC felt the need to bring in a third, or well a second villain a third party in basically their first story arc. Um, mm-hmm. That that's interesting. So basically from 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 the beginning here, I mean there's there's always been that thought of third party villains which. Some of them mm-hmm. are are pretty cool. Filmation did a lot of them. Um, but it really gives you the feeling of Eternia being a place. It's not just He-Man Skeletor. There's a lot of other forces both good and evil here.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I like that quite a lot. And I like how once uh, once he tells uh, Teela and Man-at-Arms what is really happening here. I love that, you know, Teal is like, well, screw that. You know, like she's, she's basically, you know, it, Diora's chain, which I don't know what that is. And I don't know if it's ever been referenced anywhere else, but that then you're bound by an oath to aid that fiend. And then I like the man in arms. Like, what are you going to do now? He man, <laughs> like everybody here has that highfalutin, uh, old english thing but uh uh, i could hear man uh, what are you gonna do now what's next i don't know (laughs) yeah they definitely Um, look
0: at him to be the leader and to to tell him what to do here um yeah there's not even a no but it looks like it was probably just this and just a throwaway line because there's nothing in the artifacts section about indra's chain um yeah just like later um Man has a line about uh, somebody's beard, I forget, now we get to it, but they definitely tried to, like, uh, try and make it feel like its own world, its own expressions, rather than using earthly expressions, you know, and there is... The, Which works. It does, There's they say stuff about by the gods or by the goddess and stuff like that, so it, here again, while it this looks much more earthly than filmation in its medieval yeah. presentation they still try and make you feel like you're on another planet. Yeah. Um, and so then so then they they send it on their way. Hey, man knows he still has to go through you know, and helping Skeletor um And then I'm trying to sorry. I read this earlier but I don't remember. Did The demons get the talisman or I'm trying to read right quick.
1: I know the demons attacked Tarak for the talisman. I think they did get the talisman, actually, because mm-hmm. otherwise I figured Tarak probably would have. It that's says. What, um, that's what
0: I thought. I was just reading back through the pages to make sure I didn't miss them saying that he gave it to them.
1: So, yeah. So yeah, they, they, they said all they seemed interested in was the trinket.
0: Yeah. And so, here again, yeah. the, the villain, um, who will come to find out later, is another evil wizard. Uh, named Damon, he actually succeeded. He's got one talisman. Um, so now all they can do is just try and move on to the next one. So, Yeah. And it's, it's nice not having the heroes automatically win. I like that. Give them something yeah. to work for.
1: Definitely. So Tarek basically says, I'll help you as best as I can. And then we go to Avion, and we get to see Stratos and uh, he, he and his people – he and his warriors were out doing a hunting uh raid for a few days, so they just get back and out of nowhere boom they're attacked by beast men beast not men. men beast men
0: yep and real quick, I just want to talk about the the home of the bird people here um it's definitely got that it's like filmation basically birds would be on the edge of a cliff here very high mountain mm-hmm. peaks and homes built in, which is neat. Um, it also has, um, it looks like the warriors are like the bird people. They have the mm-hmm. wings and the power of flight, And then, but there's also a lot of more traditional humanoid uh, Eternians mm-hmm. living there, one of which is Stratus' wife, yep. um, which in the mini-comics as well, he had a human wife. So mm-hmm. it's just neat seeing all that in play here, and there's a few different classes of people that live here. But yeah, it was interesting that the Beastmen, you know, it's a whole tribe of them. Um, Mm -hmm. Something that when they did later in, like, the Classics line, saying there was a whole race of of Beastmen, a lot of fans spoke out against and weren't happy with it. But you see, even back then, there was already kind of going on here. Um, I don't mind some of the Evil Warriors being from a race. I don't Mm -hmm. like all of them. Like I, I, uh, I mean, it works in certain cases, but like, if everybody was from a race, then, uh, then that diminishes it. I, I do like the idea of beastmen. Um, it just makes sense. These guys, some of these guys, had to come from somewhere. But like, too bad. For instance, he's not from a race of two-headed oh, creatures. No. He was. Yeah, no. He was <laughs> fused. So. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it definitely makes sense for there to be multiple beastmen. Um and here our beastman actually leads them, which is really cool to see. And there's there's a nice little fight scene here with uh, with Stratos and his people and he's and I'm, and it's neat they took a the little extra attention to detail and put the talisman on him right from the beginning. You get the feeling that this is something that he's worn for you know, probably been handed down for generations. And yeah. it's just a piece of him rather than it showing up, you know Right, let me go in and grabbing it from somewhere, you
1: know? Yeah. I like uh, even, even just the, the – di- or not the dialogue. The narration here I think is really awesome. What, the attack was swift and without mercy, for these are beast men, ferocious creatures of the Eternian lowland, who are neither in truth man nor beast, rather a hellish mating of both things, beings which relish death and battle as their gods, gods they worship with a passion like when i was a kid beastman actually was creepy looking to me and just the idea of he looked like he'd be the most savage and and, and ferocious and i like that in this they didn't pull any punches on how they wanted to describe that kind of a character and hey still that's my beastman like that the the bumbling version never was my beastman this it's like if you got a guy that looks like that you play it up that he is like Skeletor probably controls him by using sorcery more than he controls him by just talking to him. That's that's yeah. always been my take. And you could al- so. you could
0: also even say that he just maybe more like Evelyn is in the filmation series. Like they're working together rather than being a servant. You know. Yes, He's yes. more Like if you help me, I'll help you. I'll give you the vine jungle and I'll have the throne. You know that sort of thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean that's the thing. It's always been played up a little less that way and he's a little more of like a oh, one day skeletor and it's like eh, my version of beast Man, he'd probably fight him and skeletor might actually be wounded by the end of that fight you know like that's just me um but anyway yes yeah, so stratos is in trouble and he's got to get out of there he's seeking help and the beast men which uh, it, it's like a little bit of a nod to me to 2000x a little bit the beast men didn't just come there and fight. They came prepared and brought dragons Yeah, and they're no, flying those, around uh, they dragons cool. to chase Stratos. And those are pretty cool looking dragons, but they reminded me of the Serpentators, but they also reminded me of just the fact he's got the Griffin as his ride all the time in 2000 X too. So either way, I just love that it starts here where he's controlling the beasts and bringing them into battle with him and chasing Stratos and, I like how they have Stratus at a disadvantage, to be honest. Like, he's not... I don't look at him as, like, a warrior where he's going to go into the fight that way. He's more of, you know, the air guy in that way anyway. But I like that, you know, he just got home from a hunting trip, and he's exhausted anyway, and this happens. It's like, I need help!
0: And he's, like, trying to find He-Man as
1: fast as he can,
0: Then Yeah, and he's smart enough to realize that he's the focus, even if he doesn't know why, and so he, he... He's basically preparing to sacrifice himself for his people. I'll lead them away. I may fall, but my, my people should be spared. I can draw them away.
1: Um, mm-hmm. The weapons
0: look great. Those dragons, that's great designs. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, a lot of action here. They're literally chucking spears at him um, as he's trying to, to... Yeah, that's the one thought on his mind. If I can find He-Man, I can I can get to him and... And he, yeah. he makes it a pretty good way here because, as you see in the next panel, he actually makes it pretty close to the palace there, mm-hmm. enough to where they can see him, um, as we join back up with Tarek and the Heroic Warriors, and he's trying to, to use his magic to locate the other two talismans.
1: Yeah, and then uh,
0: Tarek helps
1: him by doing an invisibility spell, and then the beastmen can't get a lock on him, but they, you know, they they basically, you know, you, we will cu- we will get you in, in the end. Uh, there's they say it better in the book, but we will find him or perish trying. Onward, my beastly companions and stuff. And then, um, luckily enough, Stratus makes it to the to the castle. And I find it to be hysterical that the very last, uh, the second to last. <laughs> image of this is oh stratus you're here and then all of a sudden he just rips the damn thing off of him. he does the whole <laughs> this hey, is the sign <laughs> of the bird the talisman yep. we seek," and it's like uh, if i was stratus i'd be like dick you know like i'm literally wounded and i'm literally exhausted but thanks okay you know like th- there's there, there's definitely an element of like thanks for nothing dude like i needed your help but uh, yep, here we go.
0: I, br- I I bring this up every episode. But here is your fan art for this episode. It's like all you have to do is copy that pose with Stratos there and He Man holding that, and Stratos with a thought is- bubble going. That has been in my family for seven generations. <laughs> my How dad dare did it you? it to me. <laughs> it's like uh, in Pulp Fiction. You know, his father
1: carried that. It is you know, <laughs> he went through all these wars, and it was yeah. I, I could just see that being the way that you know. But no, like I, everything leading up to that point, I loved, and then that little moment, like when I saw it, I, I just stood there and like, of course. <laughs> but I get it's it's the whole he's it. Hey, I found one of them. We're great. But at the same time, it's like, uh, but Stratos, you know, like give the poor guy a rest. Um. So basically, yeah, He Man is one out of three, and trying to get these talismans at the end of the issue. And the, uh, you said it was, uh, Darius, what, what was the name again for the Uh, wizard?
0: Damon. Darius. Oh, Damon. Damon. Darius is from the, um, the new adventures that unused leader of the Galactic Guardians.
1: Okay. Damon is a
0: wizard, but yeah, it's like, it's, it's a nice action packed story beginning, middle and end. Lots of good action. Um, and we're introduced to the world here. That's what DC yeah. was doing with this. They wanted to yeah. to introduce everybody, get to know the characters. It's a great read. Everyone's well represented here. Um, yeah, yeah, and and it sets you right up. So we're we're basically one to one at the begin or at the end of this issue. Uh, yeah, we have one, and the unnamed evil has one, and. Mm-hmm. I'm. I kind of want to sit down and read the other two parts. I did not do that when I was done with the one because I kind. I didn't want to go too far Same. in advance because I know we'll do reviews of those eventually. Yep. Um, but I'm kind of curious. I'm trying to remember how they carry out this story. It's been a number of years since I've read it, and you would think the normal thing would be like you have three issues and three talismans. You would think they would split it up like one, one, and one, but we've already uncovered two in the first mm-hmm. issue, so I, I can't really remember how it goes.
1: I I know, like I said, I had issue two and three when I was a kid, but we're talking, you know, the early 80s, I was probably all of four, four or five years old, so I wasn't really reading them the way I'm reading comics now. I couldn't even tell you what's in them at this point. Like, I, I just managed to go to the page where it's the next uh, page to open up the next issue. And I'm looking at that going, I don't remember that shot at all. Like I remember yeah. more out of that somehow than I do two and three, except for the covers. Cause um, I remember the covers being kind of cool, but I always wanted that first issue cover with He-Man on it with the sword or the the ax and the shield and the, the one for issue three I can't not look at that and not see. Let this be our final battle. (laughs) It it has that that energy that the movie had in that moment for me, and you know, there's nothing wrong with that as far as I'm concerned because that's one of the coolest moments in the movie. So, so
0: yeah. Anyway, so so for this issue, I would I would probably give it probably say a seven out of ten. Um, Mainly just because a lot of the choices they do is not my preferred continuity, even though it does work well in the story. Um, And they're just little parts of of sloppy writing. Um, And I also got to point it out right quick, and I'll point it out again too when we do the newspaper strips because it Uh really bugs me there, but this front cover of He-Man and how some artists had a tendency to draw... The power harness, more like a bib than yeah. a harness, bugs yeah. me. Like that that cross part should not be sitting down over his abs. It should be up yeah. on his chest. In
1: it? it should be like the Superman ass. Yeah, yeah.
0: Th- th- it always bugs me. It's really bad in those those newspaper comic strips. If you, I don't know if you check those out, but it it's almost always like down on his belly, and it's like. It, Like pull it up. Like it's like seeing your kid (laughs) with a shirt like pull up those pants, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But minor nitpicks, I'd say I'd say seven out of ten. It's an above average story. Um Mm -hmm. and and it holds. And it's a great one issue. I can read that issue and I can feel satisfied, even though it's part of a bigger journey. Um Mm -hmm. it still doesn't leave you hanging like modern comics do. Uh for me,
1: I'm probably here here's the thing, like you didn't you weren't there to have those when you were a kid you were you were born after the beginning of it all started so for me i'm going to actually be crazy enough to say i'm going to give it a 9 out of 10 because the it feels like this it, it, there's a lot of stuff in nostalgia that comes back and it's like you don't care how it was like some people are like filmation that's it boom mm-hmm. i love it and I'm kind of like that about this story because it reminds me of everything that made me want to pick up my figures before a cartoon came out and just sit there and come up with these stories when I was a kid. The art the Alcala or Alcala um inking over Tusca's art is actually phen- phenomenal. Like it that art to me holds up sometimes better than the modern stuff that's happening right now because it, there is a craftsmanship that you can't bring across digitally in my opinion. Absolutely. And I I just I like seeing the alternate Eternia compared to the one that we know of now. There's this there's this like I feel like I'm at home but I don't know everything at this point. And I like that aspect to the beginning of any kind of story that it once once I get to the end of a story I usually am tired of whatever it is because i feel like i know it chapter and verse the the beginning to anything always interests me more because of the potential that's out there so all of that and then on top of that the main cherry on the top and i don't mean that in a bad way here battleground teela yeah i i love seeing her in action i love seeing that that look of her I'm a dude. That's just – it's as simple as that. <laughs> Tila has never, ever been somebody that I get upset seeing show up. But that look in particular right. for it being such a – here's the goddess. Here's Tila. I love that look on her in that issue. And even though they changed it in the second and third issues you were saying. Yes. It's like there's a reason I had to buy that figure when yeah. it came out. I I, I just
0: – no, that that works. I get it. Like I said, I well, you never really saw it either as a kid. So, but for me, I just it's a neat design, but but it'll never it'll never be uh, any of my preferred versions of Tila. Um, yeah. So it is what it is. But solid yep. story, good read, mm-hmm. um, and it was it was only sixty cents. 60, well, yeah, sixty cents. In
1: this was seventy dollars right. when I bought <laughs> the, the entire omnibus. I was lucky; I had some uh, credit with the comic shop for uh, working with them and stuff. But uh, uh, I will say the other thing about it, which is why it's a nine out of ten, is I'm actually wanting to see what happens. Yeah, and not every comic can do that to me these days. So you know it's like i actually want to read them right now yeah. and then be like okay we can review them whatever." but i got to know what happens yeah then. i think so i'll probably end that, up doing that go. too like
0: i said i, I i'm trying to remember in my head and i can't and that's that's kind of fun kind of like what we did for the magic mirrors where it's like every time i read it you know or when i read it as mm-hmm. a kid versus when i read it as an adult it's like you're reading it and you're like i can't remember what happens and you can't wait to get to the end yeah so but uh but yeah i'm sure we'll review them again and just so everyone who's uh watching us on youtube knows once we get a few uh, episodes under our belt, I am planning on uh, dividing them. You can watch them in order, or I'm also going to divide them into playlists. So if you like uh, M, you know, Mike Young Productions, or if you like Filmation, or if you like DC Comics, uh, I'll start grouping them so that you could have a playlist that would play them all through. So that I'm hoping that'll make it a little easier to find since we're going to jump around. So like for this, once... Once we get all three reviewed down the road, they'll all be in a playlist. So if you're if you're catching up, if you're a viewer that didn't watch from the beginning, you're catching up on this later, uh, go ahead and check that out. You can check those different tabs on YouTube for the playlist and see if we've gotten to the other ones yet. Um, I, I'm not sure I can do that so much on the audio, but uh, but I will try and link back. To the earlier episodes that discuss the same things, especially for these comics, I think it'll be good for for us to try and get them together once we do them.
1: So, mm-hmm.
0: but yeah, so solid read. Go ahead and check it out. Yeah. I'm sure you can find it online or check your local comic shop. Um, they might have some back issues. You probably pay a little bit, especially for that issue one, because they tend to go yeah for stupid rates just because it's got a number one on it.
1: But, uh, or get the Omnibus, and then you can also be on board with all the other DC stuff we'll eventually get to uh, on the show as well. That's true. You so, are going to pay a little more than that, though. That's the only thing. So I <laughs> more be
0: Because I, I probably want to guess, you're probably going to pay at least 20 bucks for that number one and probably like 10 each for the other two nowadays.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, it, it's still cheaper than the Omnibus, though, because the Omnibus yeah. last I checked was, I think it was over 100 bucks. And, uh, like, like I said, through credit and everything else at the comic shop, I paid less than that, but it was still a decent chunk of change just to get that. But, uh, the amount of stuff you have in it.
0: Exactly. If you're going to drop, if you're going to drop maybe 40 bucks on three issues, you might just want to save up and buy the whole omnibus. Um, yeah, that's the same thing I did with the mini comics rather than try and piece together a vintage collection. It's like, well, I'll just go grab the dark horse mini comic collection. Uh, So check out all those. Check out the Omnibus. Check out the Dark Horse books. Um, Yep. If you're enjoying what you see, please like, subscribe. If you feel like it, to sharing it, share it. Drop us a comment down below. Let us know your thoughts on this series, what you'd like us to discuss in the future. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tell us how much you think Sean looks like Tom Hanks. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I, a little yeah. bit of an inside joke but you know back in the day maybe <laughs> back in the day I should uh, it's, yeah I might have to share I might have to find a way to share that with all our viewers <laughs> um, so yeah so Sean any closing thoughts uh
1: honestly no I, I just hey if uh, check it out and the whole purpose of what we're doing is exposing people to all the different things Sides of Masters of the Universe, all the different iterations and stuff. Um, so, yeah, I'm hoping that we're we're getting people invested in, hey, I want to check that out. It's not just about this or it's not just about that. So feel free. And I'm really excited when we get um, any responses back to at least tell us, you know, are you liking what we're doing? And on top of that, if you have something specific you'd like us to touch base on and review – we'll We'll reference who gave us the idea to yep. do it, and we'll talk shop about it and you know we're, we're building more into this as we go too we're going to come up with some other cool ideas for listeners, Absolutely. but for the, right now, throw whatever you got at us. you like it, you love it, you hate it, you mm-hmm. whatever let us know yep. so
0: just give us some feedback. Uh, I think Sean pulled his headphones out. Maybe it looked pretty close. No, that oh. would be my cat trying to play with my classics. <laughs> He's
1: getting really Absolutely. antsy down here. So,
0: <laughs> all right. So I'll say, check us out on Facebook legends of grayskull. You can find both of us, PM us, drop us a line. Like Sean said, let us know what you're thinking. Um, we'll be back soon. Don't know what topics yet. So I'm not going to say them. We'll be back soon with episode three. Uh, Thank you to all our audio listeners, uh, wherever you're listening from. And let us know. Drop us that line. Say, hey, I listen on Podbean. I listen on iTunes, whatever. Um, Yep. And until next time.
1: Until next time.